This is Father Patrick Briscoe. And this is Father Gregory Pine. Welcome to God's Planning. First, a word of thanks to all those who support us. If you enjoy the show, please consider making a monthly donation on Patreon. Be sure to like and subscribe to God's Planning wherever you listen to your podcasts. So, Father Gregory Pine, how are you? I, I'm doing well. Um, let's see. Are there things to report? And if there are things to the report, do I report them? I think the answer to that is yes and yes. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm wrapping up my third chapter of my dissertation, which is great because three over five is more than 50%. So I can now use all kinds of downhill sledding analogies, um, like rounding the bend and all kinds of stuff. I just need to remember what those are. And then I'll use them with reckless. Is that a sledding analogy? That sounded more like baseball to me. Well, yeah. Rounding. Yeah. Yes. Second on your way yeah. third. Yeah. <laughs> I, was thinking, I was thinking track and field, but that I couldn't remember what the far turn was called. And then I realized that I've been out of the game for so long that any attempt that I make at a sports analogy is probably going to expose me to ridicule because I'll do it wrong. So I backed off. Um, but yeah, things are going well. Working on my work. And um, oh, other good news. The Prudence book, which I have been promising for like the better part of two years, is actually coming out. So I think it's available nice. on Kindle in like a week or a week and a half. And um, yeah, it's available to ship uh, the physical copy uh, Easter Monday. So this pleases me. And I also saw that you published a book. Congratulations. Um, the companion guide there to uh, the season of Lent. How's that going? This little guy's amazing. <laughs> I happen to have one just right here for the purposes of showing people that have tuned in on video. No, I'm I'm happy with these projects. These these are you know they're they're just little companions. Um, they're seasonal things. I'm going to do more of them with our Sunday visitor. The biggest thing on that is that we're together going to produce the first product for the Bishop's Eucharistic Revival. So one of these Let's little go. sixty page companions for the Eucharistic Revival on the Eucharist, beautiful meditations from the saints and thoughts from yours truly. Um, so I'm pretty excited about that to have the first thing out there on the market connected with that project. So that's a, that's a really great evangelical initiative that the bishops are starting. And that's really, really a significant privilege to be a part of, I think. So Dude, I'm that's stoked. huge. F- felicitations. Yeah, you know, writing the things. Thank you. But I mean, listeners who are, lo- who are loyal listeners to the show might realize that much like the season of Lent, what's old is new again. Uh, so <laughs> so if, you, if you tuned in. And heard the beautiful dulcet tones of I'm a dog back. Well, you know, there it is. It's back. <laughs> it's back. And, and we would like to, what would we like to do at this point? We would like to acknowledge that it's good. We would like to acknowledge that you, the listener, have better sense, have a better aesthetic sense than we do. It's hard to say. But when we changed it, we're like, cool, let's get a little bit funky. And then a lot of people were like, hey, this is funky. Also, where's I'm a dog? Um, so whether, so whether that's uh, law of primacy or whether that's our, our better judgment failing in the editorial process of choosing new bumpers, just know that, um, you know, cooler heads prevailed. And, uh, after father Jacob Bertrand beat both of us and left us out back to die, um, then we made the change. <laughs> so, uh, you can thank him. You can thank our bloodied corpses and that's about it. Well, I think that's enough witty banter. We can uh, <laughs> we can we can dive into the topic of the episode, lest someone be overly scandalized or inclined to turn us off at this point. Right. Uh, so today's pain. episode is about truth. You know, we're we're kicking off our Lenten series uh, back to's, um, so back to belief, and we we wanted we wanted to start with the concept of truth because for us, truth is not an idea; it's a way of life. It's our charism. So a lot of people 
might know that the motto of the Dominican Order of Preachers of our religious institute is Veritas. We're sort of at- we're sort of attached to this idea, and not just because we're men who are on a podcast that like being right. Um, it, we, which those, those, those things, those things are not wrong, but, but because it's important to be correct, uh, on some of these issues, on some of these questions. Uh, so let's dive, let's dive in about that. Let's dive in about truth. I, I, I think one of, one of the reasons why we wanted to talk about truth is that in our day, in the year of our Lord, 2022, uh, there's a crisis of truth. Um, Father Gregory, can you kind of, can you kind of spin that? Show us the landscape. What is it that you see? that summarizes this crisis of truth? Yeah, I think um, you see truth claims doing different things in the public square. It's like, wow, what, a, what an unhelpful and bland image there, Father Gregory. I'm going to explain it, you know, critical observer. Um, so, so you have people who are making very hard and fast truth claims that are in conflict. All right, so this is, this is a source of consternation for some people. They're like, okay, we claim to be right. And then there are other people who have other religious claims, and they also claim to be right, and we're both pretty strident about it. So how is that possible? Um, is it just that it's really hard to know the truth, or is it that we're like, we're right and they're wrong, or they're wrong and we're right, or we're both a little bit right, and what, you know, like, how do you account for this? And then you have some people who are crafting a theory based on this observation and saying like, yeah, I mean, everything's basically right, even if it's in conflict, because truth isn't so much about like having access to one reality that we're all talking about. It's basically just like saying how you feel and using speech as therapy. It's like, oh, fascinating. And then you have another group of people who just don't care at all, who just don't care at all. Because when they hear a truth claim, they think, you know, like wars of religion, totalitarianism, intolerance, hatred, blah, 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 this and such. And so they're like, it's better if we just don't even involve, our, involve ourselves in these type of claims. And so truth has fallen on hard times, or at least humanity has fallen on hard times in its conversation about the truth, which puts us in an excellent situation because I feel like now's a good time to talk about the truth when so many people are in need of it. <laughs> One of the things that, that kind of haunts me is looking back a few years uh, to the death of uh, Pope St. John Paul II. Uh, there's an, an amazing homily that was delivered by Cardinal Ratzinger at the Mass for the election of the Roman Pontiff, which is a, a great title, <laughs> a great title of an event, uh, Mass for the election of the Roman Pontiff. And in his homily there, in his homily there in the early aughts, when was that? That was 2005. Um, the soon-to-be Pope Benedict, um, then Cardinal Josing, Joseph Ratzinger, uh, gave a homily about the threat of relativism, um, giving giving caution to those gathered uh, for the election, right? And so then Cardinal Ratzinger said, relativism is letting oneself be tossed here and there, carried about by every wind of doctrine. And I think that I think that describes aptly where a lot where a lot of people find themselves, um, kind of swimming in the sea of relativism, tossed about as it were. And one of the one of the important things that truth does for us is it gives us foundation a place to land, a place to stand firm, right, in the modern world. So if we're, talk- if we're talking about a crisis of truth, um, a crisis of what we believe in, um, for me, these are evocative images that just kind of summarize some of the different positions you gave us. And, you know, from my perspective, again, I just wanted to point to a moment that, that's important to think about, about Pope, um, soon to be Pope Benedict, again, talking about uh, the, the crisis relativism, relativism that he thought he was facing then, um, you know, moments before he would 
be elected pope actually yeah no it's it's interesting like i think that each of us experiences just what you described in our own ways um so maybe you have a friend not you particularly but you listener have a friend who is you know not living well or not living in a way that's going to make them happy maybe they're involved in the same-sex relationship or this is a divorced person who is now dating again but doesn't have an annulment and isn't free to marry and let's say that you try to have a conversation with this friend of yours and the person reacts really negatively calls you hateful calls you intolerant calls you a bad friend reacts like you 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 just couldn't have seen it coming and when it came you feel terrible so then what next right what next do you do you abandon your principles and then accommodate this individual and say whatever you do is perfect because you're you and I'm me and we are love and everything is groovy um or you know do you do you abide in the truth because at the end of the day if it is the case which i believe it is that only the truth bears grace then you know like your response is going to have to come from that place of like father patrick you described like a place of stability a place of grounding a place of a firm foundation so it's it's not possible to be merciful it's not possible to be loving apart from the truth and so for us to have this foundation is so important you know in the very practical conversations and the very practical situations of our of our everyday lives yeah before we go on i just want to make one more comment about a, a thing you've slipped in there gently right is that in the crisis of truth we often feel that truth and charity are opposed this mm -hmm. is the way people experience the world anyway they feel like well if i tell this person the truth I will harm our relationship, or I will mm. say something that will hurt them. And Pope Benedict actually speaks to this, well, then Cardinal Ratzinger in this homily, assuring us that truth and love coincide in Christ. And to the extent that we draw close to Christ in our lives, truth and love are blended. And I think that this is an, this is an interesting response, and it's a challenge for us to continue thinking about what it means to be people who are truly charitable and people who are absolutely faithful to the truth without compromise. Because the world, in it, as, it, uh, as it continues its hostility towards the truth, according to the world's standards, we're going to look uncharitable or unloving. We're not actually, because we're being measured by the world's standards and not the gospel's. And the gospel's standard, truth and charity, are always united and can't be divorced. Uh, so some of the language you hear in uh, the ecclesial sphere is people will, will present this dichotomy and they'll say, well, that's doctrinal and not pastoral. Mm. Uh, which is one of those kind of code speaks, right? That that uh, that makes friars <laughs> like me uncomfortable, because when I hear people making a distinction between that which is doctrinal and that which is pastoral, I hear someone saying, "Well, that's true, but it's not loving," and I have questions about that, uh, because in Christ, as we said, the truth and what is love and what is charity are always united. So I think that's a, and th th those are. Th I wanted to introduce that a little bit too, as we're talking about this this crisis of truth that we're facing. So, what what is it, Father Gregory? How is it that we begin to work our way out of this crisis as believers? What is it that what is it that we that we that we bring to the conversation? How is it that we resist this temptation to be tossed about? Yeah, I think I don't I don't know that I have a well thought out or well reasoned response. So this particular question. Oh, cool! But... You've been a Dominican friar for like a decade, you know. <laughs> just like spit this out. Hey, I've <laughs> got some feelings. I've got some feelings, and I'm about. <laughs> hey, man, I'm studying Christ. Okay, not the truth. Wait a second. Um, so, so here's the thing. I um I think that a lot of us are we find it difficult to to work our way out of this situation if we find ourselves immersed in it, 
And I think there are a variety of reasons for that. Maybe here are just a couple. One is um, it just takes healing and it takes elevating. So it takes often the working of grace for us to come to the discovery of the truth because we have to be saved from our relativism. We have to be saved from our nihilism. We have to be saved from our indifferentism because oftentimes, yeah, it's, it's something that comes from without which pulls us out of the muck and mire of our intellectual malaise. And that's often through a, a personal encounter with another human being. But there, there are a lot of instances in which we are suspicious of other human beings because we, well, we suspect them of manipulating us or of controlling us or of trying to, you know, like bring us along into their fold or their camp. So like what, what, what is it about Jehovah's Witnesses or Mormon missionaries, for instance, that cause us kind of to cringe? Uh, like I'm, I'm, I'm happy out of the car at a rest stop. I'm jogging in to grab a cold, like a chilled coffee beverage so I can shoot it in five seconds and then get back in the car because we're not permitted to drink in the car. So the Dominican House of Studies and this guy's like, do you know the Lord Jesus? And I'm like, do you see what I'm wearing? <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it's like, what, what separates us from that? You know, like how, how do we, right. how do we discover those relationships or how do we extend in love those relationships to other, other human beings? And I think that like we, we have within the Christian faith a recognition that we're, we're, we're not just like, I don't know what you would call it, like um, we're not like uh, publishers clearinghouse types who just call people randomly on the phone and offer them money that we're going to tax them out the wazoo. We, we actually have Christ to give. So I think on our, for us, it comes from a kind of confidence that we, we have a relationship with the Lord Jesus and that that relationship is, is open to like it's an open invitation. It's open to the entry of others. And I think that that's, it's a very simple thing, but it's a very real thing that, yeah, that merits consideration. As a novice, I remember being struck by, I'm sure you remember this too, when we started our catechism course with Father James, and he began to argue that it wouldn't suffice to simply mail every house in the United States a catechism of the Catholic Church, <laughs> which, you know, and I know it sounds insane, but I would have said at the beginning of the novitiate, I would have said like, yep, that's the answer. You know, we mail everyone catechisms and then we find out a way to force them to read it. Yes. Because once, because once they are done educated, they, they, will, they will see what I have seen. But you're right. I, I agree with you. It takes, it, takes, it takes something else. It takes a kind of storming of truth, right? Like, you know, in, in Star Wars, it takes like the invasion of the Death Star, you know, for you, for you to be free. <laughs> Um, again, I, I promise this episode is not just going to be a list of my favorite quotes of Pope Benedict the Sixteenth, right? But it is going to be that. So, Full so, 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 another one of his great quotes. This is from his his later encyclical, Deus Caritas S. God is love. Pope Benedict famously says, "Being Christian is not the result of an ethical choice or a lofty idea, but the encounter with an event, a person, which gives life a new horizon and a decisive direction." And that, that something that something else has to happen, that the truth has to has to take hold of you, which is why I love the RSV uh, edition of the Bible's translation um, of the verse from St. John's Gospel, uh, which is, you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. Mm. That That's striking to me, that translation just a little bit different. You know, we often hear that verse, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. But the truth will do something to you. That mm -hmm. will that will change you. It will it will make you free. You will end up having to conform to it in ways that are slow and have a real demand on you. So it's not enough just to like slap the the label. Okay, you know I I now I now subscribe to truth. 
uh, therefore on the on the outside it, it looks as if it looks as if I'm you know uh, goose stepping in line with the truth um, mm. no it ha- it has to it, it has to 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 shape you interiorly and something something has to be done to you you have to be re- remade in the image of it that that's that's a that's a different sort of claim yeah no it's it's interesting like i don't know how to put it uh i don't know how to put it well but okay so we 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 get this definition of truth from saint thomas basically truth is when our minds correspond to reality right we have the truth when the things that we think are actually borne out by what is right so that the the reality comes first and then our thoughts about it come second which is such a revolutionary concept um i don't know i'm just like thinking about uh like same sex well it's controversial yeah, it's, yeah yeah no 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 exactly yeah i i've just i've just noticed this recently it's like the 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 kind of tendency of our approach to reality has reversed as of late i i mean i don't know if there was a time you know yesteryear when we were more contemplative but the contemplative disposition is you come before reality right and and reality shapes you now that doesn't mean that you're spineless and you're like oh well here's a thing i should i should be like that thing and here's another thing and i should be no all right we do it in an orderly way but um now it seems like like the tendency is the complete opposite it's like i feel this thing so i'm going to shape reality in order to accommodate how i feel without really making a judgment as to whether how i feel is good better best it's just like it's me and this is about me being more me in more places. <laughs> uh, so without, without a sense of consistency. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so there's something really beautiful about the fact that the like the the truth. I mean, reality goes before us, and it's for us to behold it, and then conform to it, and then live within that, right? Because only in that like kind of arrangement do we have the the security the foundation as you described it earlier of one who abides you know like of one who who genuinely dwells because otherwise like you said quoting um, joseph ratzinger we're just going to be blown about by every wind of passing caprice and fancy and whatever so-called doctrine which is which is a terrifying prospect um but yeah we want to we want to have roots we want to have a real real life in touch with the real real world I just said wheel. Uh oh, that's good. <laughs> and shout out to Father Joseph Anthony. Um, the uh, I think that uh, I think that one of the one of the challenges, though, you know, again, this this sort of pits us back at the top of the episode, though, is if we is it is we're we're forced to make a we're forced to make a very bold claim that to many people seems false, yeah. which is that there are some things that are always true, mm. and th- this is this is very difficult um, and you know, again, is something that is actually very controversial today. To, to say that we know something with absolute certainty that will not be changed. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it's difficult, and you want to be cautious about identifying which of those things are really eternal truths. Um, we, might put it, we might put it like this and say, which are, which are these things which are the hills that are worth dying on? Mm-hmm. Um, and which are not. So, can you say a little bit, Father Gregory, uh, uh, about that distinction? About what what kind of claims we're making when we say some things are absolutely universally always true, and mm. things that may be, um, you know, passing truths, if I want to yeah. say that things, the things that are only true for a time. Sure. 
No, yeah, I think um, I'm thinking of you talked about hills that you're you're willing to die on. I mean, that's really how Jordan Peterson got his start, as he saw this legislation coming through, you know, Canada regarding transgenderism and pronouns, and he's like, no, we we can't do this because it's going to hurt people because it doesn't correspond to reality. And um, I think that you know, if you listen to him or you listen to others who have conversations with him, there are these these different approaches which you see in the 21st century world to reality. And I think that as, as Catholics, we're kind of committed to a metaphysical approach to the world by comparison to like a therapeutical approach to the world, which says, you know, what do I feel and how can we accommodate these feelings? Or like a genealogical approach to the world. You'll hear this a lot where people are like, yeah, we thought this previously, but now we think this because we're more enlightened. Because hand wave, hand wave, technology, hand wave, hand wave, New York Times. It's like, okay, all right, I guess that was an argument. Um, but as, as Catholics, we're pretty committed to this vision that, okay, this world is created by God, all right? So it pre-exists in God as an intelligible notion. Basically, God, in knowing himself, knows all of the ways in which we creatures can share in his divine life. And to some of those things, you know, he, he weds his will, and they are, all right? So they're based on a pattern, which accounts for change, right? But which itself is unchanging because God is unchanging. So there's a stability at the heart of reality, right? So things, we talk about them having natures, all right? So a nature is like a principle of what a thing is and what a thing does. We have human natures. So we are this type of thing and we ought to do, you know, the types of things which lead us to happiness or lead us to beatitude. So I think that there's, there's this kind of fixity at the heart of reality. And then from that basis, we can acknowledge that certain things do in fact change, like custom or like fashion, for instance. Like you and I are just uh, kind of trapped in the 13th century, but it's completely legitimate to wear different clothes based on what is, uh, what would you say, like C Civilized men wear fashionable. tunics, I think is what you're trying to say, yeah. yeah Uncivilized exactly, yeah. men wear pants and civilized men wear tunics. <laughs> yeah, so there, there are things that can change and we can make, you know, judgments that are entirely appropriate, which reflect that fact, like aesthetic judgments. Great, right? But, but we have to realize that at the end of the day, at the beginning of the day, all throughout the course of the day, there is this stability, this fixity at the heart of reality by virtue of the fact that it is created and that it is patterned on the unchanging God who doesn't change his mind. So that gives us a, that gives us a fixed point in this otherwise turning world. I think, yeah, and in, in light of that, I think some people readily conclude, oh, so you're saying the Catholic Church has a monopoly on truth, and therefore no one else has said anything true ever. Mm. No. Is that correct, Father Gray? That's what you think. I, I wouldn't say that. Yeah, so yeah, you hear this described in a variety of ways. I like the way in which it's discussed in Lumen Gentium. I want to say it's like paragraph 16. Where, well, in paragraph 8, it says, The Church of Christ subsists in the Catholic Church. So this is an ecclesiological point, but I'm going to make a kind of more basic epistemological point hmm. from it. All right, so the Church of Christ subsists in the Catholic Church, and then it goes on maybe eight paragraphs later to say, But we find elements of grace and salvation outside of the bounds of the visible Church. All right? So it says, like in Orthodoxy, we find true faith and true sacraments in Protestantism. We find, you know, like a, a nearly integral faith, and we find baptism and marriage. And then it goes from there to like Judaism, you have the covenant and Islam, you have the worship of the one God, and those of good, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So there are truths that radiate from, um, you know, like the Catholic Church. But 
So, so taking that ecclesiological point and making an epistemological point, all truth is symphonic, okay? Because there's a reality, and we're all out here trying to, to conform our minds to it. So if we discover a truth and somebody else, you know, an East Jibit discovers a truth who isn't Catholic, and, and those both conform to what is, they're going to be harmonic, right? Which is like why we have this kind of confidence that faith and science won't contradict each other. Because right. science, like, you know, when done in good faith, according to its proper methodology, and, you know, faith discourse, when done in good faith and with proper methodology, are working on the same truth, albeit one with a kind of super added light, the other with the light of natural reason, but they're still working on the reality which God gives to us, namely God and all things in light of God. So, yeah, so I, I don't think that this makes us, what would the word be, like colonial or imperialistic. It just makes us kind of like John the Baptist, who, who are just kind of crazed living out in the desert with tussled hair, eating locusts, and just pointing at one thing all the time and saying like, this thing, this thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's great. And I, th I, I, I wanted to say that because one of the things that, I, that I've encountered, right, is that it can be very easy to seem very proud or, mm -hmm. um, or very tone deaf if you start making truth claims, right? And that, that's one thing that people experience a lot in discourse. So rather than, rather than find other ways to address that, they, they simply say, well, I would, I, would, I would prefer to be more humble so I'm going to concede something that's more relativistic because I, I, because I can't figure out another way to integrate this. And so, so I think that the language you were giving us from Lumen Gentium helps us, help us, helps us to see how there's an actual harmony and how we can interact and really, really embrace and really admire other cultures and point out, and point out what is true when we discover those things without, uh, without having to then relativize our own encounter with the truth. And I think that's really key uh, based on many of the conversations and the, the shape of discourse presently in the modern world. Yeah. Well, as we kind no, of wrap up, do you have any, uh, any uh, final thoughts on truth for us? Yeah, actually, I mean, based on what you just said, I was thinking of, um, I don't know if you have this experience, but oftentimes when I, <laughs> this is just, it's just awesome. I smile. Uh, I'll like give a talk somewhere. And, you know, people ask questions about the subject matter, maybe for like the first and the second and the third question. And the fourth, fourth question, it's, it's almost inevitable at this point. They're like, how um, dare you? <laughs> theoretically, like, <laughs> what does one do about intellectual pride? <laughs> it's just like, oh, savage, you found me out. How dare you? Um, but like what, the, the question that you raise, how do you not end up sounding triumphalistic? How do you not end up sounding... Um, yeah, just like swaggeringly confident in an off-putting way. I think that's a great question. And I take a lot of consolation in the fact that, you know, the virtues grow in the human heart in a kind of organic way, right? So God gives you a whole life to become the saint whom he is calling you to be. That doesn't mean that we should be lazy about it, but it also doesn't mean that we should expect to, be, to have become perfect yesterday. And for instance, humility is a kind of old person's virtue. It's, it's, it's often the case that those who have suffered, those who have experienced, those who have lived are more humble than younger people. So if we end up sounding a little bit yikes at the outset, okay, all right, we should seek whatever legitimate means to humble ourselves in those circumstances. But I also think that that's an occupational hazard, right? Um, and God, please pardon our offenses, make us good as you are good, but uh, don't, don't like 
permit that to keep you from a bold proclamation of the truth. Because I think that there's a real desire out there for boldness, for confidence, for certainty. And I think that we've been blessed with that. So no, no, no sense in backing off just because we're a little bit bratty. <laughs> That's a great wrap up. Uh, just thanks to everyone who's tuned in for the episode today. We're so grateful for all of our benefactors, all of our supporters. If you'd like to tie to our work, check us out at patreon.com slash godsplaining. There's links on our website. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Like, subscribe. Please leave a five-star review to the podcast that helps other people find us. Visit godsplaining.org to sharp our merchandise and get dates and information for upcoming godsplaining events. We've got a couple really cool things to check out this summer. Know, as always, of our prayers for you, and we ask that you please pray for us. God bless.